Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to Mo Forecast, a podcast series where experts from Morrison and Forrester make predictions about enforcement and policy trends in the upcoming Biden administration. Today, we'll be discussing the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. I'm your host, James Kukios, co-head of MoFo's Securities Litigation, Enforcement, and White Collar Practice Group. I'm pleased to be speaking today with three SEC veterans. After many years as a federal prosecutor and then the head of the SEC's San Francisco office, Gina Choi joined MoFo in 2019 and now advises clients on enforcement and exam-related matters. Jaime Marlier and Michael Birnbaum both served as senior trial counsel in the SEC's New York office before joining MoFo in 2020 and 2018, respectively. They both represent clients facing SEC investigations and related litigation. Before we get into your predictions for the future, let's set the stage for the current context. Haima, what were the SEC enforcement priorities and trends during the Trump administration? Thanks, James. The Trump SEC had somewhat different enforcement priorities and employed some different internal procedures than the Obama administration. So going first to enforcement priorities, the Trump administration's SEC shifted away from broken windows enforcement, which was an enforcement strategy based on bringing cases for uh, more minor violations, to a focus on the retail investor. This meant that the SEC under Trump brought cases focused on fraud that affected Main Street investors and pursued individual accountability by suing shady investment advisors and broker-dealers, Ponzi schemers, and other you know, similar wrongdoers. The SEC also established a retail strategy task force, which had both an enforcement and a data analytics mission geared towards protecting what Chairman Clayton liked to call Mr. and Mrs. 401k. Another defining feature of the Trump SEC was that the agency solidified its treatment of initial coin offerings or ICOs, and the Trump SEC took the position that these were securities. SEC enforcement brought actions that distinguished ICOs from cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and sought substantial penalties against entities offering digital assets, even in the absence of fraud. A recent non-fraud settlement against one of these offerers prompted a public dissent by Commissioner Hester Peirce. Public dissents by a sitting commissioner are rare and suggest internal discord over the treatment of ICOs. Along the same lines of what I was saying about the Retail Strategy Task Force, the Trump SEC also established a cyber unit to combat unregistered ICOs, market manipulation schemes that use social media, cyber intrusions into retail brokerage accounts, and the like. On the point of cyber attacks and data breaches, the Trump SEC made clear that it would not second-guess how entities in good faith investigated and reacted to cyber breaches and other cybersecurity incidents. Enforcement did caution that where a company's response is severely lacking, enforcement action would be warranted for failing to inform investors. Under Trump, the SEC brought actions against broker-dealers and other entities when failures in cybersecurity policies and procedures compromised customer information, including under Reg SP and SID. Finally, there has been under the Trump SEC an appreciable uptick in the number of whistleblower tips and the SEC's whistleblower awards, especially during the pandemic. 
Plaintiff's counsel have reported that employees are incentivized by the remote work environment to report what they perceive as wrongdoing. Gina, I know you've been thinking about this whistleblower issue as well. That's exactly right, Haima. Whistleblower tips have been a game changer for the SEC's enforcement program. And even though the pandemic created challenges for the SEC enforcement staff as they conducted existing investigations, the pace of whistleblower tips and the number of new matters and investigations opened since March has only increased. And I would argue that the pace and size of whistleblower awards announced since March can be really motivating for employees. We did our own back of the envelope analysis and found that the SEC has been announcing awards on almost a weekly basis since March, with a single award of over $100 million in October. Hearing about these awards while working from home can be a powerful motivation for employees to go to the SEC if they suspect wrongdoing within their organization. Thanks, Gina. As I mentioned earlier, the Trump SEC also changed some internal procedures at the SEC that affected the enforcement program. The first of these changes was in 2017, the commission revoked the ability of around 20 SEC enforcement division attorneys to issue formal orders of investigation, uh, and they delegated this authority to the director of enforcement. At the time of the delegation, this was just one person, but it later expanded to two people in the summer of 2017. This was a change from before. Since 2010, the regional directors of each of the SEC's 11 regional offices and certain other attorneys could issue formal orders. The centralization of this process to the two co-directors of enforcement did cause some initial delays in how quickly SEC staff could subpoena documents and testimony after opening a matter. Uh, The second change was that recipients of Wells notices could request one face-to-face meeting with the enforcement division co-directors or at a minimum with the uh, staff that issued the Wells notice. This was a change from the previous administration, which employed a more discretionary approach to such meetings. And finally, the SEC instituted a hiring freeze from October 2016 to April 2019. During this time, the agency was unable to fill positions vacated by natural attrition due to retirement or staff returning to the private sector. Hiring did pick up noticeably after April 2019, which brought momentum and the usual uptick in morale that new blood brings to an organization. Thanks, Hyman Gina. Great foundation for now turning towards the future. And Michael, I'll ask you, what are your predictions about SEC enforcement priorities and trends under the new administration? Thank you, James. I expect the changes over the next few years to be more events-driven than ideology-driven. First, while the SEC under Chairman Clayton was different in the significant ways Hyman just described, it's important to remember the SEC is not an agency that was radically transformed under the Trump administration in the way that some other government agencies might have been. Current enforcement director Stephanie Avakian, for example, was a deputy director during President Obama's tenure, and she certainly is not alone among senior leadership in bridging administrations. So there's been some more continuity at at the SEC uh, than there may have been at some other agencies. Second, the enforcement division by its very nature responds to what's going on in the market and market activity can change the SEC's plans quickly. Uh, For example, Chairman Clayton has been very candid in saying that this SEC's attention to the token space during his tenure is not something that he anticipated on day one, but was a reaction to, to what he saw in the market. And certainly nobody anticipated the changes COVID has imposed on the SEC both in terms of the kinds of new uh, frauds they investigate or the demands on the staff's resources the pandemic has imposed. 
That said, I do expect to hear more about the SEC looking into traditional Wall Street entities after years of focusing on what this administration has called Main Street or retail investor issues. In this new administration, I expect there to be a call for more scrutiny of these big financial service providers, including big banks. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean the SEC will find wrongdoing at these companies, but a return to a more broken windows approach would make the SEC more likely to pursue what some call victimless violations, or at least the kinds of claims falling short of fraud. Based on recent private litigation, we might also see that scrutiny extend to other types of investment vehicles, uh, such as SPACs, where lots of new money has been deployed of late. Uh, with a significant hiring freeze, Jaime mentioned now behind the SEC and new blood joining the staff of late, I also think we'll learn a lot about this enforcement program by looking at how the new resources are deployed within the working groups the uh, enforcement division already has up and running. Keep an eye on those working groups because the creation of new working groups often signals where the SEC is going, as uh, we've seen with the cyber unit and retail task force created over the past few years. In fact, one existing group I'd keep a close eye on is that cyber unit, which I expect to continue to be active, albeit in some different ways. Uh, for example, expect the SEC to continue to focus on frauds conducted using tokens or virtual currencies, but with Telegram and kick decisions in, in the books, I don't expect the SEC or its cyber unit to spend as much energy as it spent in the past litigating when tokens might count as securities which was the major focus of the commission in the past several years. On the data security front, I expect the SEC's focus to be on preparedness. What policies are in place? And are regulated entities following those policies? Again, continuing to move away from the, the approach Jaime mentioned uh, that some viewed as a second guessing of breach victims in the past uh, and, and their disclosures. Also in the tech space, as market manipulators leverage technology in new ways, I expect the SEC to pursue these investigations on, on new fronts as well. In part, that means investigating new variations on the kinds of spoofing and layering schemes uh, we've seen in recent years, but it also means focusing on what broker dealers and gatekeepers are doing in the face of those risks. And of course, I expect the pandemic to yield all kinds of new cases. In particular, this new administration will have the chance to review the first annual filings of many companies who have now had some time to consider COVID's actual or potential impact on their business and will be expected to have their disclosures reflect that reality. Finally, I expect the SEC to approach relief in different ways than it has in the past. That's for a number of reasons, but in part because the Supreme Court, most recently in their Lew decision, has imposed limits on the SEC's ability to obtain disgorgement, which I expect to, to lead the Commission to pursue civil monetary penalties more aggressively. In fact, Director Avakian has already signaled that plan in the wake of the Supreme Court's recent decisions, and I expect the administration to be even more aggressive in pursuing such penalties going forward. Thanks, Michael. A lot of great things to think about. And as companies do think about these things, Gina, what should they do to prepare for SEC enforcement going forward? James, we would encourage companies, registrants, and issuers to focus on the following three areas. First, given the significant increase in whistleblower awards and folks working from home, make sure your whistleblower policies and procedures are in order. As we mentioned earlier, the SEC's whistleblower program has been a huge source of successful and high dollar enforcement actions. The fact that it is a bounty program and the proliferation of multi-million dollar awards will only encourage individuals at your company to report if they sense wrongdoing at your organization. So make sure that there is a standing process for taking in whistleblower reports and tips, documenting them, and making sure that they get investigated. 
make sure that with remote working, policies and procedures are adapted for a digital environment and are easily available to employees. If you can, let the whistleblower know that you take the report seriously and that you'll be investigating, and to the extent appropriate, report back on the company's progress. If you're confronting layoffs, make sure that all separation agreements are compliant with SEC regulations and don't contain any language that would impede employees from reporting or providing information about securities laws violations. Second, given the expected focus on accounting and financial frauds, as well as the increase in disclosure cases, especially in light of COVID-related disclosures, as Michael described, we urge issuers to make sure their disclosure controls and procedures, their DCPs, are in order and that they're being followed. Make sure that you're documenting difficult judgments surrounding disclosure, especially in light of COVID, you want to be able to show that your decision was reasonable given what you knew and that all decisions were made in good faith. Make sure that the left hand knows what the right hand is doing. To that end, make sure that there is sufficient interaction between employees responsible for monitoring material events, transactions, and reports on one hand, and those responsible for disclosure in public filings on the other. I would encourage you to share material information with outside counsel and your auditors to assess disclosure obligations. And finally, if you want to be proactive without investing a lot of resources, use your own organization's data to assess risk. This is exactly what the SEC is doing. Don't be taken by surprise. Don't let the SEC come to you with wholly new risk areas that you had no idea about. Get on top of your data to understand trends and risk areas for your company. Figure out, are you just meeting analyst or internal expectations by a tiny margin quarter after quarter? Is this something senior leadership is touting? What complaints and observations are you seeing in your own whistleblower reports? What trends are you seeing in your sales incentives quarter after quarter? Know your pain points and mitigate them before the SEC comes knocking. Great. Thanks, Gina. Great words of advice. And with that, this is the end of our Mo Forecast episode on SEC enforcement and policy trends in the upcoming Biden administration. Once again, I'm your host, James Kukios, speaking with Gina Choi, Haima Marlier, and Michael Birnbaum. If you liked today's episode, please visit the MoFo website and join us for additional installments of the Mo Forecast series, covering predictions for enforcement and policy trends in other areas of the law. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.